0: Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskconofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N-O-F-D-C of Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Today, we are so grateful to have His Grace Chaitanya Chiran Prabhu here. Thank you for being with us today. He um, is a monk, a mentor, and a spiritual author. After he uh, began seeing with great pain, uh, just problems of stress and addiction and overall misdirection, all caused by a lack of spirituality. He felt inspired to dedicate his life to sharing the spiritual wisdom of the Gita. And um, how many, okay, you can fill that in. He travels the world from Australia to America, giving talks on spiritual subjects in universities such as Princeton, Harvard, Stanford, and Cambridge and companies such as Intel, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. In addition to writing 25 books, how many of you have some of Chaitanya Chiran's books? Yeah, okay, good. More of you need to get some of Chaitanya Chiran's books. Uh, he is also the author of the world's only Gita daily feature, wherein he writes, Daily, a 300-word inspirational reflection on a verse from the Bhagavad Gita. And how many have you readen, written? 4,500. So, if you are stuck at home someday and you can't think what to do, there are 4,500 Gita verse reflections waiting for you at your doorstep. Okay, please, um, without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to Chaitanya Charampavu. and. This floor is clean now, so any of you in the back or any of you in the front want to move closer a little bit, I promise you he's very nice. So you can fill up this space here.
1: Am I audible behind to everyone? Can you
0: hear in the back? Am I audible? No. Okay.
1: Okay. Om Jnana timirandhasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmay shri gurave namaha nama om vishnu krishna prashtaya bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Itinamine, Namaste Saraswati Deve, Gauravani Pracharine, Nirvishesha Shunyavadi, Paschat Yadeshatarine, Vanchakal Patarubhascha, Kripasandhupya Evacha, Patitanam Pavanebhya, Vaishnavabhya Namo Namaha, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri advaita Gadadhara, Shri Vasadigaura Bhakta Vrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, I'm grateful to be here, all of you, and I just got to hear the last part of the powerful kirtans, devotionally powerful kirtans, all of you. So I'll speak today on the
2: sacred occasion of Radhashtami on five different meanings of love and how they are demonstrated by Radharani in her life. So I'll talk this in three parts. First is, I'll talk about Radharani and her position and her disposition, briefly. Then I'll talk about these many meanings of love. And then, towards the end, briefly again, I'll talk about how these meanings of love are included and can be elaborated or can, can be developed in our own current practice of bhakti. So in the world among the many things that we seek, we all at one level look for something that is valuable. And over a period of time, if we are fortunate, we come to realize that the most valuable thing is love. To love and to be loved. That is the deepest longing of the human heart. And it is that which brings fulfillment. You know, we want wealth, we want power, we want position, we want gratification. But all these are meaningless without love. And all of them, they gain meaning through love. And yet, we see that while love evokes such a deep longing within our heart, Almost all the movies, all the novels—they are about. There is love as a central element in it, or at least a significant element, even if they are centered on action or other things. So, it and yet the same love seems to lead to a lot of heartbreak and frustration and disappointment. So, is it that we have been given an innate longing for love and? That longing is meant to be frustrated. Why would nature or creation or the universe or God be so perverse? Actually, it is not that the longing for love is to be, is to be frustrated. Rather, it is often misdirected. Now, across the world's theistic traditions... There is that understanding that God is the ultimate object of love. That in the Christian tradition, I think St. Augustine said that, Oh God, you made our heart for you. And our heart will no, no rest till it rests in you. And there are similar sayings across the world, theistic traditions. At the same time, while understanding that God is the object of love, it is in the bhakti tradition which is prominent form prominent expression in india that the nature of how love is reciprocated with god is most vividly depicted and god is not just seen as a person who resides in isolated majesty at the top of existence god as krishna delights in loving, intimacy and reciprocity. And not only is God very accessible, but even the devotees of the Lord, devotees of Krishna, they also demonstrate. Not only is God lovable, but how to love him is demonstrated by his devotees. And among all his devotees, the greatest devotee is his consort. Shrimati Radharani. Now, at one level, we could say, Radharani is a devotee of Krishna. Hmm? And, another level we understand, Radharani is actually God manifest in female form. She is the devotee of God and she is also God devoted in female form. Oh, one time, one person, ah, here in Anilam, once. On university, somebody asked me this question. Is God male or female? I said, you know, before we can understand whether God is male or female, we need to understand that we are neither male nor female. <laughs> we are spiritual beings. So in one sense, we can say we are neither male nor female and God is both male and female. God exists in both male and female manifestations. At the same time, as devotees, we see Radharani both as an object of object of our worship and devotion, because she is God in female form, and also because she is the greatest devotee of Krishna. So we see her also as the ultimate exemplar of devotion. And their relationship. Is completely pure and transcendental. That means there is no, no selfishness in that love. That love is completely selfless. So Radharani simply wants to please Krishna, and that is what Krishna also wants for Radharani. We'll discuss that a little later. But the idea is that sometimes when we see, when we hear about the divine couple. And we understand about their sweet, loving relationship. We we may say that we can have two extremes if you consider a pendulum. One extreme of the pendulum is to see that their relationship is exactly like our relationship. There may be a male-female attraction in this world. And we come to a temple, maybe a young boy and young girl, they're in love with each other. They come to the temple Oh, say, God is also male and female. Says, you are a couple, please make us also a couple. So, okay. As, you know, there's nothing wrong in playing, praying for healthy relationships, healthy, sustainable dharmic relationships. But we may equate Krishna's Radha Krishna relationship with our relationship. And that is that is a misunderstanding because their relationship is at a spiritual level. For us, we as souls and bodies are different. They are not different, but the other extreme, if we consider the pendulum, says their relationship is so transcendental that I cannot understand it. I should not think about it. It is. It is like something like we, if we, if somebody in India that is saying that, you know, you retire somebody upstairs. What that means is that I respect you. But you are irrelevant. So you go upstairs and stay over there now. And don't interfere. So we may, in one sense, retire the Radha-Krishna relationship upstairs. It's so elevated that we can't even discuss it. It's pure, it's transcendental. And, okay, what more? It's pure, it's transcendental. What more? It's pure, it's transcendental. Okay, but I wouldn't know more. So, these two extremes... That oh, it is just like our relationship, it is so different from our relationships that we can understand nothing, that we can understand nothing at all, can't understand it at all. So, in between, if you want to balance the pendulum, is that we understand that the principle of love is universal. And the principle of expressing love and reciprocating love. That is universal. That applies to all relationships. And that is remarkably similar across all relationships. In every relationship, if we want to connect with the other person, there are certain principles that apply. And they apply even to the divine relationship. However, the relationships we may have in this world, because they are based on the body, their physical relationships, they are going to be temporary. As a relationship with Krishna, and the relationship of devotees with Krishna, of Radharani with Krishna, they are eternal, they are spiritual. And that's how they are different. So, with this philosophical background, we'll focus on this middle of the pendulum. That how the how Radha how Krishna's love for Radharani and Radharani's love for Krishna, primarily, and talk about Radharani's love for Krishna, how it demonstrates the many meanings of love. So, let's begin with five meanings. Now, first, love often is talked about love as attraction. Now, in negative sense, we would say love is infatuation. So, in the world, when somebody falls in love, you know, it's like, what is that saying? Love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener.
1: <laughs> 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 so... <laughs>
2: So what happens is at, sometimes love we think of love means attraction. You know, I'm just attracted to this person. I want to be with this person. Yes, I can't be without this person. So attraction has an as- that there's definitely an aspect of love which is centered on attraction. Hmm? However, that is only one aspect of love. And there are many other aspects of love. You know, that when love is reduced only to attraction that what we su- suppose there is this, there is this common saying, fall in love. I mean, you say fall in love, it almost is seen like a involuntary action about which you are helpless. You fall. That means it's something which comes over me, and that is our only understanding of love. So we may fall in love, and we may fall out of love. Mm-hmm. So this is an important aspect of love, but it is by far. It is definitely not the only aspect of love. But let's begin with attraction. Sometimes people talk about love at first sight. Well, yes, there may be possibility that two people may feel attracted to each other. But the question is not just whether there is love at first sight. The question is whether there is love after many (laughs) sights. So, now with respect to the Radha-Krishna relationship, at one level... Their relationship is eternal. They exist in the spiritual world. And when they exist in the spiritual world, from there they have an eternal relationship. But when they descend to this world, at that time there is a progression in the manifestation of their relationship. In the, the, in the unfolding, in the revealing, or awake, not revealing so much, awakening of their relationship. So Krishna appears in Mathura, but then he is moved to Vrindavan. Primarily he is in Gokul. Vrindavan refers to both a particular place in the broad geographical area, which is also known as Vrindavan. So first he is in Gokul Mahavan. And sometime after that Radharani appears. And she appears in Barsana. And initially when she appears, she is motionless. It's almost like is this child born damaged or specially able? What is, she doesn't seem to talk, she doesn't seem to open her eyes, doesn't seem to be moving her lips, moving her limbs at all. What's happening? Her parents are alarmed. They call the doctors. and no, Nobody can detect anything wrong with her, but there's clearly something wrong with her. You know, nothing seems to be medically wrong, but something is wrong. And then finally a sage comes and says, No, everything is alright, but she will manifest. She will awaken at the right time. And then, uh, Nanda Maharaj is the head of all of Rindavan. And then within that, Barsana, the head is Rishabhanu Maharaj. Rishabhanu Maharaj is the father of Radharani. At this time, she is little Radha. She is baby Radha. And then, because there is a small child born in their house, Rishabhanu Maharaj, he invites the head of their whole community, Nanda Maharaj, please come to our home. So when he comes to her, then, there come, now Krishna is also a small child at this point. He's just crawling around. And he goes around and he sees here. He says, oh, there seems to be a baby there. So he crawls over and he crawls over and he climbs up and he peeks into who is there in that? What do you call it? Critch? Crib? Sorry, crib. Sorry, crib. So <laughs> who is there in that crib? And as soon as he peers over, he looks into the crib. Immediately, Radharani opens her eyes. And she starts waving her limbs, and her first sound is not a cry, it's a laugh of joy. She smiles and starts laughing, and everybody is amazed. You know, if there's a child who, is, uh, who seems to be having some physical deficiencies, then there's a somber atmosphere in the house normally. But when Radharani starts laughing and she starts moving her limbs, and suddenly everybody is amazed, he says, Krishna, what did you do? <laughs> But Radharani, she appears in such a way that the first sight she wants to have is the sight of Krishna. So, even as she's a baby, even if she, at one level, she is not even conscious of what is happening, but her life is arranged in such a way—you can say the stars are aligned in such a way—that she opens her eyes, and the first sight she sees is Krishna. Like this, when she knows at a subconscious level. It is Krishna who is right in front of me. It is my Lord, my love, my eternal love is here. That is when her eyes open for the first time. And thus, we could say, it is not love at first sight, but the first sight is the love. So the first sight, her first sight, is the love of her heart. And then both of them grow up. And they grow separately. And... As they keep growing up, then Radharani is growing in Barsana and Krishna is going in Gokul. And they know about about each other, but they don't know each other. It's a traditional society, so boys and girls are separated. And as they grow up, then Radharani sometimes goes from there to, along with her other girlfriend Sakhis, she goes goes out to sometimes... Um, to churn the butter or to take the butter to Mathura to sell and Krishna goes out to the forest to herd the cows and they don't meet so much so in the Anand Randhavan Champu which is a beautiful book which describes the in more detail what is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam the 10th Canto so what happens is that there is a description of Purvarag Purvarag means the awakening of the attraction. Purva is before. Raga is attraction. So the stage before the awakening of the attraction. So what happens is that Krishna and Radha, they don't meet very often. So at one time, Radha Rani is just going her way and Krishna is going her way. And Radha just gets a glimpse of Krishna. And she this beautiful young boy with a peacock feather, walking elegantly, He's wearing pitambar. He's wearing jew. Ju- he's having a jewel around his neck, armless and bracelets and waistbands, and that sight completely conquers her heart. And he thinks, oh, "This, this, this is the this is the Lord of my heart. This is the Lord of my life." So when she when she sees this person, he just goes away so quickly. She knows uh, she thinks this this is the Lord of my life. And she thinks, This is she sees that this is Krishna, so there is slight ambiguity in the way Bilba Mangal Thakur describes it and Chakravarti Pad also describes it. So she sees him, this is the lord of my heart. But whether she understands this is Krishna or who is this? I love this person, so this is attraction. But then afterwards, she's again going on her way through the village path and she hears someone playing a flute. And the sound of that flute is so sweet, so captivating, so intoxicating that immediately she feels overwhelmed. She says, this, this is the Lord of my life. And at this point, she does not know that the person playing the flute and the person with the bluish black complexion, they are the same person. She really, what is happening to me? I'm feeling such attraction for two different people. What's going on? And another time she's going along and Krishna is going by another lane and Acharya has described that Krishna, Krishna's whole body, it has an extraordinary innate fragrance. Uh, in our, in our, with our physical bodies, the body doesn't have any fragrance. That's why we put all kinds of colognes. But Krishna's body itself has fragrance. And Radharani smells that fragrance and she gets completely captivated by that. And she says, this is the Lord of my heart. And then she's in mortal anxiety. She says, what's happening to me? I'm attracted to three different people. What, is, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? So, actually what is being revealed through this is that it is, it's Krishna is Sarvanga Sundara. He is supremely attractive in every one of his limbs. So even through one of the senses, Krishna can conquer the heart. So he, through the eyes, through the ears, through the, even through the nose, Krishna can just conquer the heart. And because Radharani's heart is so receptive, so eager for love, that through each of the sensory pathways she is conquered by Krishna and then one day there is a village assembly so this goes on for several days and Radharani's heart is torn what is going on with my life and then there is a village assembly and then she hears somebody coming playing a flute oh that is that person and then she also fears, hears well feels a fragrance coming hey, that is also from the same direction ok And then she sees, there is this bluish black complexion, very attractive young boy is there. And then she realizes, oh, the fragrance, the music and the form, they all belong to the same person. And her heart explodes with relief and joy. I am attracted to the same one person. So that, at that time, she's completely, all the agony is gone. Her life's goal, her life's purpose is completely affirmed for her. That is attraction. So we all pray that we become attracted to the Lord. We all, Krishna may attract us in different ways. Some of us, may feel attracted to Krishna through the years. We hear the Kirtan and we feel attracted to Krishna through the Kirtan. Some of us may come to the temple and we may, we may be attracted to the atmosphere, the association of devotees, the way devotees deal with each other. That is also Krishna attracting us. For all of us, for most of us, or almost all of us we can say, Krishna attracts us through one way. That is Prasad. You know, <laughs> through the tongue, he attracts all of us. So, any way we are attracted to Krishna, that is fortunate. So, love has this first aspect of attraction. However, as I said, attraction can be unstable. Attraction can come and attraction can go. So in this world, they say romance has a bench life of about 18 months. Once the hormones starts secreting, you start feeling thrilled in the presence of a particular person. But after some time, that goes off. And that's why we need love in its many other aspects also. If attraction is there, that's wonderful, but there are many other aspects of love. And The second aspect of love which I'll talk about is sacrifice. See, love is not just about how I feel in your presence. How you make me feel. Love is also about what I am ready to do for you. Even if it makes me feel bad. So love is often seen through sacrifice. And few stories illustrate this sacrifice as much as the story of when Krishna got a headache. When Krishna had a headache, now in the spiritual world, there is no disease, so there is no headache also. But, Krishna does in the spiritual world whatever is necessary for the reciprocation of love. Whatever is necessary. So everything manifests. It is described that in the spiritual world, there are, there is, There are Kalpataru's. Kalpataru, what is a Kalpataru? Does anyone know? Kalpataru. Yes, desire, fulfilling tree. But, so, whatever we ask that tree, that tree will give. Be it, I have not seen a single pastime of Radha and Krishna or Krishna and the Gopas where anybody asks the Kalpataru for anything. You know, Radharani, she will cook for Krishna. They describe when she has to cook for Krishna, she is so eager to cook so many things that she is cooking on 50 stows simultaneously. Then we talk about parallel processing, multitasking. Radharani is the ultimate multitasker. Hmm? She cooks on 50 stows simultaneously. There are Kalpataru, just ask the Kalpataru, the desireful for 50 items. Give to Krishna. Now, for her, her love is expressed through her service and sacrifice. She wants to take up that anxiety. She wants to do that for Krishna. And for us, what happens is, sometimes we may feel love as an emotion. And that's good when we feel it. Love as an attraction. But if a loving relationship is to be sustained, we can't rely only on how the other person makes us feel. We also have to decide how we are going to act. What we are going to do for the other person. Even, even if that makes us sometimes feel bad. Even if it is as difficult for us. That sacrifice. So in the spiritual world, although everything is comfortable, every every desire can be fulfilled. But the, but the gopis want to express their love for Krishna. Radharani wants to express her love for Krishna. And that's why she cooks for Krishna personally. And similarly... While there is no disease in the spiritual world, but Krishna gets a headache. And that headache is an opportunity for the reciprocation of love. And then he tells, Narad Muni comes to meet Narad Muni says, Kr- Krishna is holding his head. My Lord, what happened? He says, I have a headache. Oh, okay. Can I do something? He said, Yes, there is only one cure. He says, What is it? He says, I need the dust of the feet of my devotees. Naradun is aghast. He says, we want the dust of the Lord's lotus feet on our heads. How can we give the dust of our feet on the Lord's head? He says, you find out some devotee. Now Krishna also understands that muni is apprehensive about giving his dust. So he doesn't even tell him, you give me your dust. He says, can you find some devotee who can give their dust to me? He says, sure. He immediately goes around. Now he goes all over the universe, he goes to great sages, he goes to great kings, he goes to various people. He says, Krishna has a headache. Oh, what can we do for him? He says, please give your dust. He says, uh, no, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. How can we do that? That's impossible. He goes all over the universe and nobody's ready. And muni uh, is dejected. He's thinking that, oh, how can I relieve Krishna's headache? And finally he actually comes back from where he has started. But while he is going back to Krishna, he sees the gopis of Vrindavan, And the gopis see Narada Muni, the great sage of respects. And among these gopis, leading Ishrimati is Radharani. And so Radharani and the gopis, Narada Muni, you look, you look, this this, this what's the matter? He says, Krishna has a headache. Oh no, Krishna has a headache. He says, what can we do? So he needs medicine, and the only medicine is that you need the dust of your of the devotees' lotus feet. So immediately, Adaranya and all the gopis, they rush, they are on the banks of the Jamuna, they rush into the Jamuna, they put their feet in the Jamuna, they take the feet out, they rub, rub their feet against the dust of jam, the, the, on the banks of the Jamuna, they take out their big chadar their chaddar, and they put all the dust in the chaddar. Take it and go immediately. And Narada makes the same mistake that Uddhava has made earlier. He says, Hey, these gopis are just coward girls. They don't know anything. He says, Do you understand what you are doing? He says, If the dust of your, if your feet touches Krishna's head, just to understand how sacrilegious this request is. Normally, we don't even come with our shoes in a temple. Hmm? So, we keep the shoes outside and many traditional temples we also have like we wash your there is a tap or something where we you wash your feet and then you come inside the temple. How? So, but imagine if our feet touch the deity form of the Lord. Or for anybody who has even the basic understanding of deity worship it's an unbearable offense. I can never do that. And the deity is a manifestation of Krishna but Krishna himself. So he says maybe these Maybe these gopis don't understand what they are doing. So, Do you understand what you are doing? If the dust of your feet touches Krishna's head, you, know, you will go to hell. <laughs> do you know this? And, and Radharani and the gopis, they reply, that, yes, we know that. But do you know something? The thought that Krishna has a headache, That itself is hell for us. That, we can't bear that Krishna has a headache. To relieve Krishna from his headache, even for one moment, if we have to go to hell forever, we are ready to do that. Now go quickly and relieve Krishna's headache. So, this is the sacrifice in love. This, in one sense, attraction and sacrifice, they are almost the opposites. Attraction is how you make me feel. And sacrifice is to make you feel good, to make you, relieve you from distress, I am ready to take up any distress. So you think the first part of love, everyone wants. The second part, eh, no. (laughs) That's too much. So, but actually, there cannot be any real love without sacrifice. Sacrifice is an essential part of love. Of course, the love, the sacrifice that Radharani is ready to offer to Krishna is extraordinary. And similarly, when Krishna plays his flute, when the Rasa Leela is about to happen, at that time, Krishna plays his flute and the gopis just leave everything. And they just run to, to be with Krishna, to serve Krishna. Now when they are leaving, at that time, what are they doing? It's not that they are so maddened by love that they are not aware of anything else. They are aware. And when they are leaving their families and going away. You know, in a society, in those times, you know, for a woman to go away alone, at night, it, it would be a, it would ruin her reputation. It could ruin her life. But the gopis, they are not being immoral. See, there is moral. There is immoral which is below it. And there is transmoral which is above it. The gopis are not going for their pleasure, they are going for Krishna's pleasure. Krishna is calling us, Krishna wants us, we will be there to serve him. They are ready to give up everything for Krishna. And, sarva dharmaan paritha me ekam sharanam So, now, this Ras-Lila has happened already, and then afterwards, the Krishna speaks in the Kurukshetra, the Bhagavad Gita. sarva dharman give up all varieties of Dharma, and mam ekam sharanam vraja so Krishna could have used any other word just surrender to me Krishna uses the word vraja because as soon as Krishna thinks about surrender for him the greatest example of surrender is the surrender of the gopis so literally in the context of the Gita vraja means go go and surrender surrender means go and fight now you have heard the wisdom now go into the battlefield and fight that's what you need to do so what happens is they suppose two people have a very close relationship with each other and maybe they have shared a private joke and then there is a public meeting and they speak something which is a reference to that private joke which they had shared. Then they talk, they, 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 that person is talking with somebody else but he just glances and they smile at that other person. And what happens is that's a private joke that is like an illusion. It's, a, it's an indirect reference and the two of them share that joke. Everybody else doesn't understand anything. What, see, if you are in a conversation with multiple people, uh, one of the most frustrating things is to not understand a joke. <laughs> and it's even more frustrating thing when everyone else seems to be understanding the joke. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Maybe I should also laugh. <laughs> you know, I didn't understand, but I laugh. So, but what happens is, So when Krishna is speaking to Arjuna, he is speaking at one external level. But internally he is remembering the gopis. He says they are the exemplars of surrender. And so the gopis, they gave up everything for Krishna. Now of course Krishna made a mystical arrangement by which their family thought that gopis are not left only. Krishna arranged for a replica of the gopis to be there in their homes. But the point is the gopis were ready to sacrifice for Krishna. Now, so that is the second aspect of love. What is the first definition of love? Attraction. Attraction. Second is? Sacrifice. sacrifice. Thank you. And third is expectation. See, suppose, as I said, suppose two people are in a relationship and somebody may come, you don't love me. Now, what do you mean you don't love me? That means that, it basically means that I have certain expectations from you and you're not fulfilling those expectations. They may say, you don't love me means you don't spend time with me. You don't listen to me. You don't get the things that I want. Uh, So whatever it is, in every relationship, there are certain expectations. So when somebody uses the word love, you don't love me anymore. What they are generally using it is the sense that you are not fulfilling my expectations. Now, of course, some people can have extremely unreasonable expectations. And that's where some people become clingy and emotionally demanding. But there are in every relationship there is reciprocation. We do something for the other person. Hare Krishna. Is that an indication I have to end the class? Hare Krishna. Technical problem. Technical
1: problem, okay? What do I do? Nothing? Hare Krishna. Hare Am I audible? Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
2: So there's there's, we do something for the other person, and the other person does something for us. So there is expectation that the other person do something for us. So there is naturally that expectation. So when the gopis leave everything and they come to the forest of Vrindavan to be with Krishna for performing the Raslila, At that time there is very sweet reciprocation between them and then the Rasa dance begins. And then there is an explanation that is external level and there is an explanation at an internal level. So at the external level, the explanation is that the gopis start becoming proud. See Krishna needs us, Krishna has called us, Krishna wants to be with us. How privileged are we, how fortunate are we? And as soon as they become proud, Krishna leaves and goes away. And Krishna takes only one special gopi with him. Who is that gopi? Radharani. And then it is said that even Radharani becomes proud. And Krishna leaves Radharani also and goes away. And she is shattered. However, while we can draw a lesson that Krishna doesn't tolerate pride. That's a valid lesson to draw. But again, Kavikaranapur and Anandavan Chapu describes that actually something else is entirely going on over there. He says, when all the gopis are dancing with Krishna, they are all delighted to be with Krishna. But at the same time, all the gopis know that Radharani's love for Krishna is far greater than our love for him. We all love him, but she loves him the most. And therefore, they want that the world know about special position of Radharani. They want that Krishna gives special attention to Radharani. They want that Radha Krishna be together privately. And that is why they act proud. Proud act proud and Krishna leaves all of them. So that is, continuing the earlier point, that is the gopis are sacrificing for the sake of Radharani. But then when Radharani sees Krishna is, Krishna is going alone with me somewhere, she is delighted at one level. But immediately she started thinking, what about my sakhis? what about Lalitha, what about Vishaka, what about Champaglata? what about Tungavidya? They will be shattered that Krishna has left them all and gone away. He says, I I cannot, I cannot be happy alone at at the cost of their distress. It's like suppose our spiritual master or some very senior devotee who does wonderful classes, he comes and we we are the main organizer, we are inviting them. And there are thousand people who have come to hear the class. And just before the class, they come and say, you know, that I want to talk with you. And they call us to a private room and we are talking. We will be privileged. Oh, you are spending time with me alone. But a part of us will also notice, you know, there are thousand people over there. who have come to here. If you have only one hour, if you spend that one hour with me, I will be happy. But what about everyone else? I want to serve them also. So can you please? So what Radharani does is, she starts making various pretexts to slow Krishna down. So that, other gopis will catch up with Krishna. So Radharani is again sacrificing. He says, Krishna, this flower is so beautiful. Can you plug this flower? And then Krishna has to stretch and rise and pick up that flower. And he says, Krishna, isn't this sight so beautiful? Let's, let's wait and watch. Look at this light. And in this way, Radharani makes various pretexts to slow Krishna down. But then finally, she says, finally she says, Krishna is still moving on. So Radharani says, Krishna, I am very tired now. I can't walk any further. And then Krishna seems to get angry. And Krishna says, Because this is a forest, I cannot get a palanquin for you. Therefore, you climb on my back and I'll carry you. And Radharani is little taken aback to hear the harsh tone of Krishna. And she looks at Krishna and Krishna has disappeared. So I don't think a sarcastic comment from Krishna, you climb on my back. So, This is where what happens is Radharani realizes that Krishna has misunderstood her. This Krishna. She's shattered. She's searching for Krishna everywhere. And then she faints when she can't find Krishna. And all the other gopis where they they find Radharani sprawled on the ground uh, shattered by the separation from Krishna. They sprinkle some water and bring her back to consciousness. And they're all searching for Krishna everywhere. But they just can't find him anywhere. And they search and search. They go deep into the forest. But they go so thick into the forest that they can't even see their hand in front of them. It is so dark. And they decide that we will, we will not be able to find Krishna over here. So they all come back. And they sit down on the banks of the Jamuna. And that is where they recite the Gopi Gita. That is the 31st chapter in the 10th canto. Beautiful verses. Jayati Te Dekam. And those verses they sing. And each verse is actually a call by a gopi to begging Krishna to come back. They are all offering prayers from different perspectives. Radharani's prayer is the most intense among them. Please Krishna come back. And finally seeing the despair of their hearts Krishna comes back. And when Krishna comes back, the gopis are both they're delighted and they're infuriated. They're delighted that Krishna has come back, but they're infuriated. How could you go away like this? You know, we left everything and we came to you, but you you just how could you go away like this? So they're angry with him. See, so it's like suppose you have a small child who's quite naughty and restless, and he's run away from home. And then finally, Finally, you find him somewhere. Uh, one part of us is relieved. Oh, you are safe. Now, another part is angry. How dare you run away like this? What do you think you are doing? But, the parents are also afraid if you get too angry with him, he may run away again. So, there is a lot of emotions going on. And at that time, what to do? So, you know, if, if you want to reproach someone, if you want to criticize someone, but don't want to come off as criticizing someone. So often we make indirect statements, like we, if we invite somebody for food to our place, and they come one hour late. Now we are annoyed, we are angry, but if we are polite, we may not say "You are come late." We may say "The food has become cold."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for somebody who is intelligent enough, they understand that. Okay, they will apologize. Sorry, this happened. That happened. So, the gopis, like that, they are
2: angry with Krishna. But, they are af- afraid also that Krishna may go away again. So, there is that expectation. How could you have left us and gone away like this? So, the gopis, what they do is, Krishna, you know, you please tell us about the nature of love and lovers. I'm just
1: going to switch the mic and please, it's okay.
2: Hare Krishna. Thank you is this better
1: okay thank you Gaurani Prabhu. <laughs> so
2: so they ask krishna that that krishna there are different kinds of lovers there are some people you love them and they love you back as much as you love them now this is elaborate conversation i'm just putting it very briefly over here see so some people you love them And they love you back much much more. And some people, you love them, they don't love back at all. Hmm? Among these different kinds of lovers, who are the best? So, you say, what kind of question is this? It's obvious. The third category is that person doesn't love at all. So the gopis are using that third category to say, Krishna, you are that kind of lover. We left everything for you and you just left us. What kind of lover are you? So, in love, there's naturally expectation. And expectation is natural. But what is important is that we cannot have attachment to expectation. That we naturally expect, I'm practicing bhakti, maybe I'll get some taste in bhakti, some things will work out right in my life. We can have expectation. Prabhupada says a devotee always desires to have darshan of the Lord. But a devotee never demands the darshan of the Lord. So The gopis are expressing their heart, expressing their desire, expressing their concern. So expectation is a part of love. But they are indirectly expressing it. And then Krishna reveals his heart. Krishna says, Oh gopis, it was not because I didn't love you that I left you. It was because I loved you that I left you. Is when I loved you, you had every reason to get angry with me, you had every reason to reject me. But the fact that you did not reject me shows your supreme love for me. When there is every reason to break a relationship, to but a person does not break that relationship, that actually shows. The greatness of the love of that person. So there is expectation but there is no attachment to the expectation. So the gopis, they have expectation. When Krishna explains, they are relieved. They are relieved. So we may also have expectations in our relationships. We try to avoid attachment to expectations. So that was the third aspect of law. I will go quickly through the last two parts. And there is, there is dedication. So sacrifice is more like a one-time activity. You may sacrifice in a big way. Sometimes some people may, may if their country is in danger or their family member is in danger, they may risk their life. They may be ready to lose their life for that person. Or that is, you know, okay, my, my child is in danger, my family is in danger. You know, I will jump in front of a moving truck and stop that truck or swerve that truck away. That's glorious. Sacrifice of love is glorious. Sorry, sacrifice of life for the sake of love is glorious. But actually far more glorious is the life of sacrifice. More glorious than the sacrifice of life is the life of sacrifice. Now when a running truck is coming and we push, we jump in to save our family from that truck. That's love but day in and day out treating our family nicely being polite with them being courteous with them caring for them that may not be so dramatic but that is actually much more demanding and that is a far greater testimony to love so the gopis in one particular incident when they are giving the dust of their lotus feet they are ready to sacrifice their life for Krishna but they also live a life of sacrifice When Krishna leaves Vrindavan and goes away, at that time the gopis are shattered. And there's a beautiful verse in the Chaitanya Charitamarat where Radharani is praying. It's quoted from the Acharya's writings. Radharani says, Krishna, when you left Vrindavan and went away, at that time my plight was like that of an animal in a cage, and the cage is set on fire. It's like my whole body and my heart and my existence is burning in separation from you. At least if an animal is in a cage, which is on fire, the animal can run away from there. But Krishna says, Krishna the moment you left Vrindavan and went away That is the day my body would have fallen dead. But you spoke the words I will come back. And those words are like the bolt on the cage that is on fire. The animal cannot run out because the door is bolted. So Radharani, the pain in separation from Krishna was so great it was impossible for her to live. But her service attitude to Krishna was so great. He was thinking, if Krishna comes back, and if Krishna sees I am not there, Krishna will be distressed. And therefore, for his sake, I have to stay alive. I have to stay alive. That is Radharani's dedication dedication is again okay, this is actually in one sense very different from emotion or attraction dedication is a it's not just a deci- decision but it's a conscious constantly repeated decision and there are few testaments to love as strong as dedication so day after day week after week month after month year after year radharani was waiting for the return of krishna and the Gopal is described finally that Krishna did come back and he reunited with Radharani and the gopis. But the point was the gopis had no certainty that Krishna would come back. But that was their dedication. Waiting for Krishna. Of staying alive just for Krishna's sake. Living a life of sacrifice. And the last aspect of love is A. Absorption. Absorption means When we love someone, we constantly think about that person. We are lost in thoughts of that person. And that is what the state of the gopis was. The gopis, when Vuddhava came to see them in Vrindavan, he he felt as if the gopis were almost like living in a kind of daze or stupor. They are going on with their daily activities, milking the cows and making the butter and uh, uh, ghee and other things. But it was like their minds and hearts were somewhere else. They were with Krishna, constantly remembering Krishna. They were absorbed in Krishna. And at, that, at one point, Radharani and the gopis were discussing and they said that you know, if Krishna can forget us, Krishna can go on with his life without us, we will also go on and our life without Krishna. So they say, that, you know, we will forget Krishna. But, what to do? You know, we, our mind is very attached to Krishna. So, so the gopis start discussing. And Radharani, like the, uh, Radharani is the greatest devotee. And Lalita is like her, slightly older than her age. So, they start discussing. Lalita says, you know, I have heard that the great yogis, they meditate to free themselves from all attachments. <laughs> So, he says that, you know, maybe let us all meditate to free ourselves from attachment to Krishna. (laughs) So, we meditate to try to develop some attachment to Krishna. We want to make our mind attached to Krishna. The gopis sit down to meditate and they try to forget Krishna. All the gopis are sitting. And while they are sitting and meditating, suddenly... One of the gopis, she speaks something about Krishna. You know, when we went to the forest, Krishna did like this. And all the gopis start talking. And they keep talking. And they just get lost in talking. And suddenly, hey, we were supposed to forget Krishna. What happened? (laughs) So, their absorption in Krishna is such that, even when they want to, they can't forget Krishna. So, love is seen through the absorption that we have in the object of love. So, when Uddhava comes to meet Krishna, to, to give Krishna's message. Now again, there is one gopi, she doesn't, doesn't even talk with Uddhava. But there is bumblebee with whom she is talking. That is called the Brahma Ragita, very beautiful song. So that gopi is, Acharya is that is Radharani. And you know, normally, if we see somebody... Like they're all alone, like the typical image of a person who is mentally unbalanced. Hmm? That is a, a more polite way of saying mad. <laughs> like, you know that they seem to be talking to themselves, they're talking to somebody who's not present. So, Radharani is standing all alone. All the other gopis are with Uddhava and they want to hear what Krishna's message is. But Radharani is at a distance and she just seems to be talking to, talking to the air. If somebody notices carefully, they'll see there's a bumblebee over there. And she is talking to that bumblebee. Now, what is happening is Uddhava, Uddhava is also a devotee. He's certainly not as great a devotee as Radharani, but he's also a devotee. So he sees, when he sees, what happens is, he what is going on over here? You know? What, what is this gopi doing? With whom is she talking? So the Acharas explain that Radharani is actually talking to Uddhava. Hmm? But she is talking to the bumblebee. And he says, you are the... So she treats that bumblebee just like the bumblebee is a messenger who has come from Krishna. Now Uddhava has come as a messenger from Krishna. And she tells him that you are the unfaithful servant of an unfaithful master. So <laughs> she is speaking this to Uddhava. Now Uddhava doesn't take it personally because he is just fascinated so Ra- she sees, he says, sees, how much is she absorbed? Completely lost. She's seeing this bumblebee, and so some people, some people, so, so, so there are different possibilities. That bumblebee just accidental bumblebee who is here. That bumblebee has actually been sent by Krishna, and some said say that actually Krishna takes the form of the bumblebee and comes there, just because he wants to be in, with Radharani in some way. But Krishna is Radharani is speaking this, and she's completely absorbed. She's lost in her. So it is in that absorption when in one sense she is separated from Krishna. But that is the key difference between Krishna and any other living being. Now we may love someone and we may be absorbed in the thoughts of that person. And in one sense that that love is noble, that that love can be great. However, that person is a finite being located at some place and some time. But just by our remembering that person, that person can't appear directly in our heart. But Krishna is such a person that even when we just remember him, by his remembrance, he manifests in our heart. And thus, in that absorption, Radharani was experiencing the presence of Krishna. She was experiencing Krishna directly. And thus, there's another prayer in the Paddyavali, where it says, Radharani is saying, Krishna, you left us and went away. And we, were uni- we had love in union with you, but now our love has been only in separation. Nonetheless, she says, I prefer love in separation rather to love in union. Why? Because when there is union, I can see you only in one place. But when there is separation, I can see you everywhere can see you everywhere. Sarva Krishna Maya Jagat. That is Radharani's vision. She's so absorbed that even in the absence of Krishna, she's experiencing the presence of Krishna. So such is her great love for Krishna. And she's not, as I said, she's not just uh, the greatest devotee of Krishna. She's not just God in the female form, but she's also the source of all devotion. Whatever devotion we have, whatever devotion we aspire to have, it all comes by her mercy. So quickly, the last part is five meanings of love. How they are already there in our practice of bhakti and how we can include them, for, emphasize them further. I'll talk about that. And we can pray to Radharani's grace for that purpose. So what are the first meaning of love? Attraction. Thank you. So, all of us may have some attraction to Krishna. I said it may be to Kirtan, it may be to Prasad, it may be to Katha, it may be to Puja, it may be to particular Seva. Whatever it is, see that as a blessing of Krishna. Accept that gratefully, cherish that. And we say, often say, count your blessings. So, but it is also, not just count your blessings, make your blessings count. So, whatever it is that we are attracted to in Krishna, cherish that try to make that more and more accessible to ourselves. So when we get attracted to worldly things, to the temptations of the world, keep that attraction to Krishna. Keep that object. If we are attracted to Darshan of Krishna, keep a picture of Krishna close to us. If we are attracted to Kirtan of Krishna, keep Kirtan audios with us. If we are attracted to verses, memorize verses and keep them readily accessible. So, attraction, whatever is there, that's a gift. We can't control it. Whatever way it comes, it's a gift from Krishna and we gratefully accept and cherish it what is the second sacrifice. sacrifice so all of us intermittently in our lives we will get an opportunity to go out of our way in our service to krishna say like on festival janmashtami is a festival that's a time when we fast now that is a sacrifice for krishna so sometimes there are a lot of services to do in the temple on the occasion of festivals or some other things that's an opportunity for sacrifice so when we have a lot of services rather than think this is too much, so much of a burden you think this is an opportunity for me to show my devotion to Krishna through sacrifice. So, we, so sacrifice is not something which we can constantly keep doing in an extraordinary degree but whenever there is an opportunity we try to see it as an opportunity not as a burden. Then what is third? Expectation. Expectation. So naturally we expect if I am practicing bhakti we may have some material expectations. Oh, my health will be okay. My financial situation will be nice. My family relationships will be all good. And we may have some spiritual expectations. When practicing bhakti, my, my taste for Krishna will increase. My understanding of Krishna will improve. And my worldly attachments will decrease. Well, it's natural to have such expectations. But at the same time, we don't make those expectations into demands. Mm. That what we do is, yes, if something is burdening our heart, we can pray to Krishna for it. But at the end of it, Krishna, give me the strength to serve you. This is my expect, This is what my heart longs for. This is what I feel will be good for my service to you. You know, if this relationship issue gets resolved, if my financial issue gets resolved, my health improves, I'll be able to serve you better. That's why I feel if this works out It will be good. But even if it doesn't, please give me the strength to serve you. So we can have expectations. We can't just artificially remove expectations. But what we can do is, we don't make our devotion conditional to our expectations. Hmm? We pray to Krishna and then we surrender to Krishna. We accept whatever his will is. And what is the fourth? Dedication. Dedication. So the the difference in sacrifice and dedication, they are similar. But sacrifice is more like an occasional or one-time activity. Dedication is a consistent activity. And you could say, dedication is the most unromantic part of romantic relationships. (laughs) And in one sense, it is the most unexciting part of relationships. Because it is something that has just to be done again and again and again. Mm -hmm. It is every day, every day. It It can seem sometimes tiring. But over a period of time, if we consistently keep choosing Krishna, we will find that we may not experience extraordinary ecstasy, but we will start experiencing an extraordinary calm, an extraordinary conviction. Yes, this is the right path. This is where I am supposed to go. This is what I am meant to do. Things may go wrong in our life, but if we have been choosing Krishna consistently, we'll find that we'll have the faith in Krishna by which, yes, Krishna will work things out all right. That it is not that when we are devoted to Krishna, bad things won't happen to us. But even when bad things happen, we'll have that conviction that Krishna will bring good out of the bad. Krishna will take us to a better place. That will come through our dedication. The dedication will result not in a miraculous intervention, but in an extraordinary conviction. And we we'll all see this difference in, if we keep practicing bhakti consistently. Now on the days, if we are doing our chanting of the holy names, we chant attentively, we hear Krishna katha nicely. Then some problem comes in our life, we'll find that we'll be, not get so agitated by the problem. We'll stay calmer. It's like, what happens by the practice of dedication, Consistent practice of bhakti is that we start appreciating the value of Krishna. It is, we could say the world's gains are like a $5 gain. The world's losses are like a $5 loss. And Krishna consciousness, love for Krishna, is like a $5 million gain. But for us at our level, love for Krishna seems to be like $5. And the world's praise or the world's criticism seems to be like 5 million dollar gain or loss. And that's why we are very skewed. But if we continuously keep choosing Krishna, th- we keep turning toward Krishna day after day after day, slowly what will happen is we'll start realizing, if people praise me, people criticize me, it doesn't matter that much. I'd much rather nobody criticize me. But even if it's criticize, it doesn't matter so much. If I can remember Krishna, if I can, be abso- if I can be connected with Krishna, if I can be absorbed in Krishna, that gives me a sublime peace. And that is far greater than any of these worldly upheavals. So that's how that conviction will come. Uh, so that comes through dedication. And the last, that leads to the last part. What was the last was? Absorption. So for all of us, you know, we, when we say remember Krishna... Prabhupada says, International Society for Krishna Consciousness. It is all meant to cultivate absorption in Krishna. We remember Krishna slowly by that remembrance, absorption will come. And this absorption has, has remarkable property. Now, we may not directly experience the presence of Krishna in our hearts. But we will experience something which is almost mystical. Say if it's outside, it's very hot. And then we come to a room with nice fan or nice AC is there. What happens is, that immediately we experience relief. So similarly, in the world there will be problems, there will be distresses. But we turn our consciousness toward Krishna. And we cultivate absorption in Krishna. It's like entering into an air conditioned room. We'll immediately experience calmness. The outside may still be hot. But we will experience experience that calmness, that clarity, that soothing comfort. So, there is release from problems and there is relief amid problems. So, by remembering Krishna, we may not get release from our problems. Sometimes what happens is, we are outside hot and we come to the door of an AC room and we stand at the door and we wait. When will the whole atmosphere become air conditioned? Well, that is not going to happen. That means when we come to Krishna, and we are coming to Krishna, and we are constantly, thinking, when is my problem going to be solved? When is my problem going to be solved? When is my problem going to be solved? Then what is happening? We are coming to Krishna, but we are not Krishna conscious. We are problem conscious. <laughs> so no, yes, our problems will come in this life. Problems will go. But when we come to the air conditioner. Just come inside the room. Just put the problems aside not be irresponsible, but we need a break from constantly thinking about problems, otherwise that will break us down completely. So when we turn toward Krishna, just absorb ourselves in Krishna and we will get relief, we will get strength. Mat sarva durgaani prasada Krishna says that, if you become conscious of me, you will pass over all obstacles by my grace. So that absorption, for us, cultivating that is the most accessible way we can express our love for Krishna. Srila Prabhupada has provided us the entire society for Krishna consciousness as an opportunity for cultivating absorption in Krishna. Through the devotees, through the chanting of the holy names, through the kirtan, through the deities, through the festivals. All these are blessings of Radharani coming through Shila Prabhupada by which we can cultivate absorption. And through that absorption, we will experience relief amid problems. Just as Radharani experienced relief even in the absence of Krishna. And in due course, as per Krishna's plan, Krishna returned. And there is a union between Radha and Krishna. Similarly, we will also, in due course, experience release from our problems. But even without that release, if we cultivate absorption, we can experience relief amid distress so let us all pray to Srimati radharani that she bless us with a fragment of her devotion the drop of her oceanic devotion that we can also express our devotion to krishna through
1: our absorption in him shrimati radharani ki shri radha mahamahotsav ki shri prabhupada ki Gaudhi Pura Bhakta Vrindaki, Itay Gaur Premanande.
2: I have written a few books which are there. Ram Pru, they're there outside. I've written a few books on the Bhagavad Gita, especially much of what I spoke about love is in one of the books releasing Bhagavad Gita. There's also calendar with, I talked about relief amid distress, release from distress. There's quotes like that, there are 365 quotes. There are three books available outside. If any of you want, you can have a look at those books. Thank you very much. Will you be there to meet them? Will you be there? Will be there? If the devotees if the devotees want to meet Chaitanya Charan Prabhu, he'll be there. If you want to see, speak with him or see him, he'll be there with his books. Thank you so much, Chaitanya Charan Prabhu. We're very grateful. Everyone, please give a Haribol to Prabhu in our gratitude for this yeah. Haribo! Haribol, Shishirada Madan Mohan Kijay.
0: So just again, there's a table outside with Chaitanya Charan Prabhu's books. He's actually written 27 different books. Two of them that were just recently released are their different analysis of how to understand and study Bhagavad Gita. And I believe if you catch him there a little later, he has some signed copies for you. So there's two books and also a, a Gita daily calendar with some beautiful meditations from Bhagavad Gita, which I got two days ago from an earlier class, so I can testify they're really beautiful, so please come outside and get a couple of his books in a few minutes. Hare Krishna.